Thank you for watching. I pray that today's message will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and energize your faith. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app. Have you ever wished to have walked the earth when Jesus was alive, following Him to see His miracles and hear His teachings? Well, Jesus still has a present-day ministry that's happening right now. Jesus is building His church. He still heals and performs miracles. He just uses His followers, us, to do those things. The Bible says His kingdom come, His will be done. Today, Pastor Duane will be teaching us that when we keep our focus on the kingdom, Jesus' ministry flows through us. Today, I want to talk to you about participating in the present-day ministry of Jesus. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of Christians, they look back at when Jesus was on earth and think, man, if I could have just been a part of what Jesus was doing then. Not realizing that Jesus is active today. The Bible says, first of all, that he ever lives to make intercession for us, part of his present day ministry. Uh, Matthew 3.11 says he is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, part of his present day ministry. But Jesus himself said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is building the church. Right? That's what he's doing. He is building the church, part of his present day ministry. And, and I want to talk about a few things that will help us keep our focus on participating in what Jesus is doing, building the church. And first of all, I would like to say this, we need to see the unseen. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, well, we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that you see are temporary or subject to change. But the things that you do not see are eternal. So we need to see the invisible. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 11 about Moses. Uh, Moses, as a child, was a Hebrew, a Jew. The Jews were being persecuted by the Egyptians. In fact, every male child was supposed to be killed, thrown into the, the, the Nile River. So Moses' mother makes a, a little, like, boat and puts him in it and puts it in the river where he knows, she knows, the Pharaoh's daughter is going to come down and walk and take a dip. So she sees the child. She takes Moses into her house, and he lives there until he's 40 years old. At that time, it says, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Now, as being part of the royal household, everything the world had to offer, he could have it. He had the best chariot, the best horses, the best clothes, the best houses, the most influence. He had it all. But he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he looked to his reward. He looked to his reward. He realized that this life was not the end. In fact, this is just like a dress rehearsal. Right? And what happens to us in this life has a huge impact on the next life. And by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured seeing him who is invisible. 
Now, some uh, 3,000, almost 4,000 years have passed. How many of you think Moses has regrets? Moses has zero regrets. Zero. Uh, I've said this before, but I was thinking about it this week again. Uh, I have never regretted anything that I have given into the kingdom of God. Never. But I have deep regrets about things I did not give, about things I did not do. Deep regrets. And I know that, that Moses, he's got no regrets, right? Uh, we need to have God's perspective, even of our life, because God's perspective of you and me is literally that we are not our own. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you are not your own, you were bought with a price. Now, we tend to think our, everything we have and our life is our own. But from God's perspective, you belong to him. If you're a Christian, you're his. He purchased you and all that we have. Right? Uh, as, as, uh, Paul is in this hurricane and uh, everybody's given up the, the, the even hope that they're going to survive after 14 days. He said, don't be afraid. He says, God said that to, to Paul, he says, you must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted to you all those who sell with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it'll be just as he told me. This is what Paul said. He said, the God whose I am and whom I serve appeared to me. And this is what he said. He said, I belong to him. He says, he's my God. I belong to him and I serve him. Unfortunately, today, a lot of us, we've been purchased with the price and we belong to God, but we really are more self-focused than we are kingdom of God focused. And I know a lot of people that think, man, if I ever really get involved in what God is doing, in what Jesus is doing, building the church, my life is going to be kind of boring. I mean, I really thought uh, I was 20 years old. I've been brought up in church. I'm 20 years old. And, uh, my, my parents make me go to church, all right? But my heart's not there, right? I, I'm not right with God. I know I'm not right with God, all right? And I, I finally hear the gospel, and this is what I think. I think, you know what? I'm going to get right with God, but I'm not going to have another good day in my life. I mean, I'm going to go through the rest of my life looking like I've been baptized in pickle juice and just be miserable, but at least when I die, I won't go to hell. I mean, that's what I thought, right? When the exact opposite is true. This is what it says when you get connected to what God has for your life. It says, Ephesians 2.10 says, living the good life that he prearranged and made ready for you to live. Do you, do you know God designs you? He knows exactly what your gifts, your talents, your desires. He knows what you were created to do. Right? And when, when, when you don't know the purpose for something, you always misuse it. Yeah. Uh, our, our grandkids took the iPhone and put it in the toilet. Right? Well, you know, when you're one, you don't know what an iPhone's for. Right? And there's a lot of people that have put their life in the toilet because they don't know what the purpose of their life is. But Ephesians 2.10 says, We're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, 
born from above, spiritually transformed and renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths that he has set that we should walk in them, living the good life. See, God has good works. He's got paths. He's got plans. He has things prepared for us. All right. And I want to say this. Don't let anybody steal, take your crown. And Jesus literally said that. Let no one take your crown. Nobody else can possess your promises. Nobody else can fulfill your destiny. Nobody else can do what God has prepared for you to do. In fact, Jesus said, behold, I come quickly. He said, and my reward is with me. One translation says my payroll, my paycheck. When Jesus shows up, he's coming with a reward in his hand. And uh, we don't want to live purposeless lives. You know, in 1 Peter chapter 1, it says, but you were rescued from the worthless way of life that you learned from your ancestors. It's, it's, it's purposeless, unproductive, one translation says. Right? God says, I've got plans, I've got purpose for you that you fulfill today that has to do with all of eternity. You know, I won't say this, I've said this before, but Jesus did not come to get you to heaven which is what most Christians think. He came to get you to heaven. You know, when Jesus showed up, this is what he said. He says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. I like what one translation says, the kingdom of God is here, so rethink your life. Right? He, he came not to get you somewhere, but to get you into the kingdom. That's why he came. I, I, even when... when uh, the angel came and, and spoke to Mary. He said, you'll call his name Jesus. He'll be great. Be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. You see, Jesus came to establish a kingdom. In fact, Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a kingdom. And that kingdom is an eternal kingdom. As as Daniel is explaining the the dream to the the king of, of Babylon, he says, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. And it shall break in pieces and consume all those kingdoms. And it will stand forever. It is an eternal kingdom. But it doesn't start when you die. Jesus came to announce the kingdom of God is here. And salvation is not about getting you to heaven. Salvation is about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's not we go to heaven and get into God's will. What God wants us to do as part of the kingdom is to bring God's will now, not later. Right? And he wants us to be focused on the kingdom. Right? Focus on others. Focus on showing God's love and forgiveness. And it's amazing how when we get our eyes off ourselves, how the blessings of God begin to come. In fact, in Job chapter 22, it says God turned Job's captivity when he prayed for his friends. 
when he prayed for his friends. You know, he is king of kings. He's no longer the lonely man of Galilee. He's not the son made sin for us, forsaken by God. He's Lord of all. He's conquered sin, Satan, sickness, disease, and death. And he arose and said, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. And he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. And, and our purpose needs to be connected to what God is doing. And he is building the church. Now, it's so easy to get distracted. Right? In Mark 4, Jesus talks about distractions. He said, for some, it's tribulation or persecution. Life just gets hard and we turn away. But then he says, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. The cares of this world. How many of you know you've got some? But we're not supposed to be focused on them. The deceitfulness of riches. If you just had more, you'd be happy. If you had more, you'd be fulfilled. I think both of us have seen that bumper sticker, he who dies with the most toys wins. No, you're just dead. That's all. All right. And you didn't take any toys with you. All right. But the but deceitfulness of riches said, man, you, you, you would, you, you'd be secure. You'd be somebody. You'd be accepted. Uh, we somehow think that, that stuff is going to medicate our pain away. But it never does. It's a lie. The Bible calls it deceitfulness of riches because they do not fulfill. They do not satisfy. And the purpose of life is not to see how much you can accumulate. Jesus said it so, so plainly. When he says a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. But that's what we tend to think. And in Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells a story about a rich farmer. And he says his, his fields, they, they just produce abundantly. And he, he gets his harvest and there's not even room in his barns. And notice it's not barn, it's barns. And he says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull down my barnses. Right? And I'll build new barns and I'll put all my stuff in my barns. And then I will say to myself, self, you have plenty of goods put aside for many, many days. Eat, drink, be merry, take your ease. This is what Jesus said. But God said to him, you fool, you fool. So often today, we're, we're like, we just got to get it all set aside so that then we can take it easy, sit back, eat, drink, and be merry, and we're secure. He said, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you. And then whose will all those things be which you have provided? He says, so is he who lays up treasure for himself, but is not rich towards God. Now, he wasn't a bad man because he was rich. He was bad because he thought everything was for himself. Got that? He thought all of it is just for me. He, he was looking only at this life. He did not have an eternal perspective. Contrast that with David in 1 Chronicles 29 says, Moreover, because I've set my affection on the house of my God, 
I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house of my own special treasure of gold and silver. You know, we're supposed to have our affection set on the kingdom of God. So often it's, we're distracted. Nothing wrong with sports, but it can become an obsession. Any hobby, entertainment, a spouse, our kids, relaxation, all sorts of things can keep us distracted from what our main purpose is supposed to be. And we need to make sure that we keep the main thing, the main thing. In 1 Timothy 3, it says, conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. We are supposed to experience the kingdom of God in and through what Jesus is doing in the church. I know I, I love the church. Literally, Jeannie and I, we've dedicated our entire adult life to cooperating with Jesus to build the church. Jesus chose to save the world through the work of the church, right? through the Holy Spirit, through our obedience, and a single focus of God's purpose should be that we are focused on building the kingdom of God. It's the church. I love what it says in, in Ezekiel chapter 26. Now, this is literally the millennial temple when Jesus returns. And it says, when the prince, it's Jesus, enters, he shall go in by way of the vestibule of the gateway and out the same way. So Jesus enters into that millennial temple. He goes in one door, goes out the exact same door. Then verse nine says, Who enters, whoever enters by the way of the north gate to worship shall go out by the south gate. And whoever enters by the south gate shall go out by the north gate. And he shall not return by the way of the gate through which he came, but he shall go out through the opposite gate. Here's the deal. God's house, you should never go in and leave exactly as you came. See, something should happen on the inside of you. When, you, when you're worshiping God, when you're touched by God, when the word of God comes, you see, God's house is a place where lives are changed. And in that, that same temple in Ezekiel 41, in, in fact, three verses, it says palm trees, palm trees, palm trees, palm trees, and palm trees. Five times I counted this morning in three verses. The palm tree in the ancient world was a blue ribbon. Right? It was that, that checkered flag. It was the gold medal. What it really was talking about, palm trees were a sign of victory. See, in God's house is to be a house of victory. Right? You may come in defeated, but it's in God's house where God touches you and where we learn to where, where we learn how to have victory over the things of this life, the world, the flesh, and the devil. You know, even in Revelation, when we're in heaven, the Bible says we've got on these white robes and we've got palm branches. We've got victory in our hand. And I know remember it says that they're given a palm branch. It's not something that you won. Jesus has already won the victory for you and for me. Now, in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is in a house at Bethany, the house of Simon the leper. And a woman comes in with a alabaster flax of fragrant oil worth about a year's wages. You figure out what that's worth. 
And it says she breaks it, and she pours it on Jesus' head. And the disciples saw it, and they were indignant. And they're saying, why this waste? That it should have been sold and given to the poor. And, and Jesus rebukes them and says, uh, what she has done here will be remembered for out wherever the gospel is preached. What she has done is going to be remembered. He says, and she's preparing my body for burial. But it was an act of worship. And when she poured that on Jesus, how many of you know that Jesus wasn't the only one that left the house smelling good? Huh? She, she left smelling good and so did everybody else. And I want to say again, here's somebody who did something that was extravagant, but they've got no regrets. And whatever you and I do for the kingdom of God, I tell you, throughout all of eternity, there will be no regrets. In fact, Jesus actually said to us, he said, make friends for yourself with your money so that when you die, they will receive you into everlasting habitations. Jesus said the lives that are touched by the money that you put into the kingdom of God, those lives are going to receive you. Those people are going to receive you in eternity. And what you give doesn't just affect your today. In fact, it always goes beyond your life. In 2 Kings chapter 4, it says, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets came to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know how your servant feared the Lord. And the creditors have come to take my two sons to be slaves. Now, Josephus, the, the great Jewish historian, talks about this passage. And he said, Her husband who died was Obadiah. He's the Obadiah who, when Ahab and Jezebel were killing the prophets of God, took a hundred prophets and put 50 of them in a cave and eat two caves and then fed them for three and a half years. Now, this is what Josephus says. Josephus said he didn't have the money to do it and he borrowed the money. He borrowed the money. And now he's dead and the creditors are at the door. I mean, no, that's not a good thing. Husband's dead, especially in that culture, that time. And uh, he says to her, he said, well, what do you have in your house? She said, well, I just have a little bit of oil. So he says, go and get all the vessels you can, close the door, take those empty vessels and begin to pour. And she poured and poured and poured and poured and poured and poured and poured until there was not one more vessel left. And she went to the prophet and said, what do I do? He said, sell it. He says, pay all your debts and live on all the rest. She had more than enough. The, the, what he had done in his lifetime affected his family even after his lifetime on earth. But Jesus tells us that when we sow into the kingdom of God, we are laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven. You know, uh, a, a while back, I, I read to you guys a verse in Proverbs chapter 3. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions and the first fruits of all of your increase. And so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, the first fruits of all of your increase literally is talking about bringing a tithe to the Lord. But that first part this is what I told you. Honor the Lord with your possessions means to take something you have and sow it into the kingdom of God. So I told you that. And I want to tell you something. There is a great danger in preaching something 
because God expects you to do it. So, so some of you know I like cars. So a couple years ago, I, I, just, I just really like those Jeeps. And then Janie will tell you, I always I, I like look at a car for a long time before I buy it. So they, they came out with this special edition Jeep. And, and I said, Janie, I says, I want one. And she says, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I got it. I, I went and I ordered one. So it came and, you know, it got it. And we took it a few little places and pretty much just sat in the garage. You know? And then I, I read you that scripture. And, and then like the Lord was saying, hey, that Jeep. And I said, no, that's my Jeep. And then uh, a few weeks ago, I have a dream. And I'm, I'm in a pickup truck, and I got a trailer. And in the trailer, there's this big, big tractor. And we're driving down this road, and it gets smaller. And finally, there's trees in the middle of the road. And can't get by with the tractor. Now, I know I don't need a new John Deere tractor. What am I going to do with the tractor? Right? I woke up, and I immediately knew it was a Jeep. And God was saying, hey, in this road, you should not keep going with that Jeep. I want the Jeep. Right? You say, what'd you do? I gave the Jeep. Gave the Jeep to the kingdom. There's times when we just sow out of what we have. But there's times when God wants us to take something we do have, maybe something that's precious to you, right? and sow it into the kingdom of God. Right? Now, I know the fear. In fact, when, when Elisha comes to Seraphath, to the widow woman, and she's down to her last meal, this is what he says. He says, fear not. Fear not. The number one reason that we don't sow as we should is fear. But this is what David said. He said, I've been young, and now I'm old. How many know there's some things you only find out by living? You find out as you live long, all right? He said, I haven't seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. You know, you can be, have, have something you know, but it's untested and unproven. All right? But David said, look, I've seen this through all of the aspects and stages of life. The ups and the downs, the weak and strong economy, the bull market, the bear market. He says, I've seen it through all of it. He said, and God never forsakes the righteous. He said, I haven't seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. In 1976, June of 1976, Jeannie and I moved to Mexico, missionaries. Uh, we got there, and, and, and uh, I, I like to say it like this. We didn't have enough sense to find the door to the church, right? Because we went, and we didn't raise any support at all. You say, how many churches supported you? Zero. For three and a half years, we had zero, zero churches that helped us in any way. So we moved there, and uh, our money lasts for about three months. And by this time, we have taken over uh, a coffee house and turned it into a church. And money ran out, but worse than money running out, food ran out. In fact, I remember eating the meal. Jeannie made pancakes, and they didn't have everything in them. I mean, we were like bad. It was just like bad. And it, it, in making matters worse than that, the next day I was supposed to go to the airport and pick up two pastors from California 
who the previous missionary had set up to come down and preach. And I didn't have gas in my car. In fact, I did not have eight cents, one peso. I was supposed to go to church and preach. And I did not have eight cents to take a bus to church. I didn't have money, excuse me, money to buy gas for my car. And there's no gas in the car. We just had this meal of pancakes that weren't really pancakes. And I remember after eating that meal, because I'm supposed to go to church and preach. I can't get there. Don't have eight cents. Don't have gas. Don't have any money. And I'm walking in the little hallway in the, in the house. And, and I said, God, in Bible school, they said when things get really bad, that's when you move. I said, God, that is now. Right? Uh, I, I've been in ministry for 44 years, full time. One time in those 44 years, only once has anyone ever come and asked if I needed a ride to church. That was the night. Rahelio showed up in his blue Volkswagen bug and, and, and came in and knocked on the door and said, hey, do you need a ride to church? And I said, yes, I do. Okay. So we get to church. I walk in. There's a guy standing off to the side to my left as I walk in. I think I had seen him one time before. I never saw him again in my life. I walked in, and in perfect English, he came up to me, and he said, I feel impressed to give you $20. And I said, well, I feel impressed to receive them. <laughs> Took those 20 bucks, changed them into Mexican money, pesos. I gave half to Jeannie. I took half. I put $10 worth of gas in, sent her to the market with 10 bucks. Right. And uh, at the vegetable market, you could make some pretty good deals. And so she's getting fruit and vegetables and she gets home. Well, I'm on the, my way to go pick up those, those uh, missionaries. And she's trying to figure out her meals. And she says, well, we could have fruit salad for breakfast. We could have salad for lunch and maybe fruit salad for supper. You know, because we don't have sugar, we don't have meat, we don't have milk, we don't have butter, we don't have anything in the house. Right? And she says, I was just trying to figure out what I was going to do and putting some stuff, you know, in the refrigerator. And she says, I started to cry when uh, I heard some old car with squeaky brakes right outside the house. And this lady jumped out of this little car and came to the door. So Jeannie went to the door and, and the lady said, oh, I know you don't need this, but my husband and I just wanted to bless you and proceeded to bring in box after box after box after box of flour and sugar and meat and milk. And I tell you what, God, when, when David said, I haven't seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread, it's true. It's true. And it's not until we, we really need to, we get ourselves in a spot where God needs to move for us that we see some of the things that really do destroy that fear. Now, Jesus said, give and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you again. So, so, so think about it. The measure that you use says is the measure that's going to be used to give to you. Uh, I think some of us 
We, we, we do the finger giving. We know God. See that? Got that up? Yeah. Bless you, Lord. You know, and God's like, okay. <laughs> you know, maybe you're getting pretty generous and you're like, oh, I got a spoon. Here you are, Lord. And the Lord's like, oh, yeah, there you are. Let's even get a little extra in there. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. God's like, I'm going to get as much in there as we can get. Or, or you might get a little generous. You know, you might say, Lord, here it is. Yeah. And the Lord's like, yeah, I got some shovels for you. Right. You know, as you're walking out, I, I, originally I planned to have loaders out there, but they may be moving snow. You know, but you have a loader and God's going to bless you with a loader. With the measure that you use, he said, he will measure it back to you again. See, it, it, it is impossible to outgive God. Jesus said, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Uh, I want to just share one more thought. In the book of Judges, there is the, the, the Israelites have been oppressed by the Canaanites. Jabin is their king. Sisera is their general. And the, the prophetess Deborah goes to Barak and says, uh, go and take 10,000 men and go to a certain place. And God's going to deliver the people into your hand. And they send out word and said, come on and help us. And I, I, I kind of figured they sent an email to Dan, the tribe of Dan, said, need your help. We want to repel the enemy. Fellow, your fellow Israelites are bleeding and dying. We need you. Come at once. Well, they get a, Deborah gets an email back and says, I really want to help. And my, my heart is with you and God bless you. But we have other pressing needs and opportunities and they don't show up. They don't show up. I think it's really interesting later on in that, that same chapter, it talks about the angel of the Lord said, cursed its inhabitants bitterly because they didn't come to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. You know, we can sit back and, and just look at ourselves or we can get involved in what the kingdom of God is about. We can get involved in what Jesus is doing. He is building the kingdom of God. And when we get involved in what he's doing, the Bible says then we live the good life that he prearranged and made ready for us to, li to live. The kingdom of God, it's not meat and drink, it's righteousness, it's peace, and it is joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen. How many are looking for peace, looking for joy, want to receive his righteousness? That's what we participate in when we begin to participate in the kingdom. Well, I want to thank you for being with us today. And I want to ask you a question. I want you to look inside and tell me, are you right with God? You know, some people, we, we've done so many things to be right with God, but yet we don't have peace. We don't know we're forgiven. You know, and the Bible tells us to know that you have everlasting life. We're not supposed to die and find out if we're right with God. We're supposed to know. 
And if you don't know, if you say, I, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm right with God or I know I'm not right with God, but I want to be, I, I want to tell you there's two things that God wants from you. First, really, he wants to give you something. He wants you to receive forgiveness. And secondly, he wants you to surrender your life to Jesus. And I want to pray a prayer with you right now to receive the forgiveness that God offers you and to surrender your life to Jesus. If you're not right with God right now, I want you to just close your eyes, make these words your own. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe that his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. Today, I receive your forgiveness and I surrender my life to Jesus. I hold nothing back. And I thank you, you've heard my prayer, that I am forgiven, that I'm a part of your family today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer and you are right with God. And I want to help you keep growing spiritually. So I wrote a book called Your New Life, full of bullet points to help you keep growing spiritually. And I want to give it to you as a gift, free of charge. Right? All you need to do, get online and download that book. It's going to bless you and help you keep growing spiritually. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. How awesome. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and request a copy of this book be mailed to you. Or download it right there instantly. Either way, it's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Today's program is available on Roku and Amazon Fire TV by searching Walking by Faith. Or you can check out our app where you can download any message for easy offline listening. Walking by Faith is used to change lives all around the world on and off the air. We would love for you to partner with us and help make a difference in others' lives by logging on to walkingbyfaith.tv give. If you are in need of prayer or God is doing amazing things in your life, we would love to connect with you. Contact us by phone, email, or through our app. You can also find us on your favorite social platform by searching WBF TV. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you again next time.